Hi and welcome to the Life Day Live podcast, the podcast dedicated to passions. I'm the host, Nina, and today I have a conversation with Zoe Gotti, who's passionate about hospitality. She works in the hotel industry, and her mission is to ensure that clients create memories and also experience a form of wellness when they go to hotels. That passion grew due to her experience as a child expat. As a child expat, it was hard for her to find a place to call home, but she always had her family to bring her warmth and security. That feeling she wants to share with the clients that visit the hotels where she's working. In this episode, we address topics such as moving abroad, having an identity crisis, transitioning from childhood to adulthood. And of course, we talk about her passion for hospitality. What is hospitality? What is it like to work in the hotel industry? And what is the link between wellness and hospitality? So if you want to know more, then make sure to listen to this episode and don't hesitate to share your feedback. Hi Zoe, how are you doing? Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm very excited to have a conversation with you today. Thank you for having me. I'm good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. So I think it's important to mention that uh, we're friends and that I know you in real life. I mean, it's going to be obvious because people are going to notice that we know each other. But I think it's always nice when I do an episode with someone I know to just explain quickly how we met. Um, so I'll let you just introduce yourself. And while you introduce yourself, you can also mention how we got to know each other. For sure. Um, so my name is Zoe Gatti. I'm half French and half Italian. My mother is Italian and my father is French. However, um, like Nina, um, I was born and raised in a few different countries. <laughs> have just recently moved back to France because I felt the need to uh, go back to my roots. All right. Yeah. And now you just to mention now you're in Greece. Um, so you're doing your internship in Greece, right? Yes. Um, I'm a hospitality management student, actually. With my program, we are asked to do a five month internship in a five star hotel of our choice or of the partner of the school and uh, I had never been to Greece and I loved the uh, Greek culture and the Greek food and the Greek people my best professors at university are Greek so I decided to go to Greece and I'm here now and it's wonderful a little chaotic but wonderful <laughs> yeah so to mention then I mean people will have noticed so we try to find the best solution so that we have wi-fi and that you can record this episode. So there is background noise, but hopefully it gives a nice, like vivid atmosphere that uh, it doesn't bother the, the listeners, but that's the best option we had because otherwise you couldn't record for the next week. So at least we can have this conversation and I hope the quality will be, will be all right. But thank you so much for taking the time to do this uh, interview. Um, so yeah, you mentioned that you grew up in different countries and I don't think we said it actually. So we both lived in, in Mexico and that's where we met. I don't know how old we were. I think we were like 11 or something. Yeah, yeah. something along that. Yeah. So it's been a few years, actually. It's been quite a while. Um, yeah. yeah. So we weren't even in the same uh, generation. No, I mean, like promotion. you're one year younger, right? I think. Yeah. But that's not a big difference. <laughs> so we got lucky to no, but we got lucky to meet. Yeah, I don't know actually how we met, if it's maybe our moms or something. <laughs> I yeah. think so. Yeah. So I think so too. Yeah, so I'm glad to be doing this episode. I think it's always nice when I record episodes with friends that I knew, you know, like years ago and then to catch up and like talk about uh what happened these past years, you know. So that's very that's very exciting. And today, we didn't mention yet, but we're going to talk about your passion for hospitality. You're going to explain, of course, what is hospitality and like why, what it means to you. But I do think your childhood and your experience 
um, has a big impact on your life and also maybe on your passion. So I thought it would be nice to also dedicate, you know, a part of the episode to your childhood um, and your life as an expat, as a child expat. Um, and I think we have also a lot in common we discussed when we prepared this episode. So I think it's going to be interesting to have this conversation and we can compare, you know, and talk about both our experiences. Um, so, yeah, if you want to just take us step by step, you know, where where it started, how, how it all started. Yeah. Um, so I was uh, the happiest child on earth. I had a lovely childhood. My parents were very nice. I have a little sister. And when uh, I turned five, uh, my father and my mother explained to us, um, and you can imagine a five-year-old child trying to understand this, but, oh, we are moving to a new country. And that country happened to be the first country we moved in as expats, which is a... I think it's nice also to explain a bit of what an expat is. So basically, um, if I understood it correctly, but I think there's many ways of uh, describing an expat, but my father um, got a job proposal um, abroad. And with that job proposal comes uh, certain benefits that people who accept these kinds of job proposals um, abroad uh, get with, which makes you kind of live in like a bubble, but at the same time you become and experience the local life of other countries. I think it's very important to say that it's more like a bubble because people who work abroad don't all have these benefits and conditions that we I think you also managed to live through and with. And uh, so we went on to our first uh, expatriation and it happened in Ivory Coast in West Africa. And, um, and I mean, as a young child, you're very um, worry-free. You just uh, enjoy life with your parents, with your sister, you go to school, you meet new people. It was not really an impact at the time, I guess. Um, I mean, I was uh, born in France and we always saw um, different types of nationalities also in France. But I guess experiencing uh, living in the country of a community, you don't know the same culture, the same language, the same uh, lifestyle. It was... Um, it was the first time I felt like I needed to adapt. And the word adapt has been a word that uh, has followed me up until now. Because I think something that I love about hospitality and why it became my passion is that in every country you get to live in, uh, people are hospitable in their own way. And because of the historical background, because of their culture, because of their beliefs. And, and so as a young child, um, you're kind of brought into this new world and you're so curious about everything but at the same time it's very scary because you don't know how long you're going to be there you don't know uh, if the people accept you as you are uh, because obviously we were expatriate white uh, blonde hair blue eyes <laughs> my sister and I and full of people who wore different colors of skin uh, with different ethnicities and and without wanting to to say that people were judging us, you do get stared at. And uh, I guess that was the first time where I felt uh, sort of a sense of self as well. So I guess what I can say is that expatriation uh, comes with beautiful benefits for the person who got the job contract and it's an amazing experience for the people who follow whether that be the woman or the man who follow one another to the country with their family or without but I guess um, what I'm trying to say is that as an expat um, it also helps you to discover more who you are and what kind of lifestyle you want to live and your kind of values because of all the ones you are exposed to Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know what you think of that 
<laughs> no, I mean, obviously, I think, um, I don't know, like, obviously, the, the expat life is also criticized, you know, I think we both know that because you are like, we talked about in your bubble, you know, so that can also be um, criticized from time to time. And I do know that I see the the experience I had, I, I'm grateful for it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. And I'm glad I had those opportunities and those experiences but it's not because it's um it's not because it's so enriching that it means it doesn't have challenges so i do agree with you there are also challenges that come with it and i do think you were talking about discovering yourself and really when you move abroad so often you're really um discovering yourself because you're left with yourself i don't know if that makes sense you know but if you come from a certain environment you can you can attach yourself to to that environment and when when you move abroad so often the only thing that stays is like yourself if that makes sense you know so i do think it helps you it helps you really discover yourself and um and yeah so i think it's interesting conversation to to have and i do think it's different though when you're a child and when you're an adult but maybe we can come back to that later so we don't skip too many too many steps i don't know if you wanted to add something no just that of course um so a lot of people have told me like oh but like uh what was what was your favorite country or like uh, uh like sort of those kinds of questions which are like well i would love to choose one but i had a different age i had a different uh lifestyle i had different uh, worries in each country that i lived in so i i can't really pick one place because you live a different thing in each one mm -hmm. whereas people who grew up in one single place or a few they still have um you know their sense of self is different because we have always been ourselves because that's like you said the only thing we had <laughs> but we also had to adapt and so the funny thing is um like growing up now i realize how powerful that is because we could have like And you could have done too. But for example, we could have uh, invented ourselves a life in each country we lived in and people would have never known. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But um, but I'm very happy you mentioned that it gives you a sense of, of uh, knowing that you are there for yourself because something that stuck with me is that I feel like moving abroad so much has brought me so much closer to my values which so many people realized so much later in life i think because you are left to yourself and you need your own stability and your own uh thing that keeps you pushing through all these people that you meet all this uh, work that you do in all these different countries and the different work ethics and all the things you have to learn because it, it can get overwhelming mm -hmm. yeah no there's definitely a lot to talk about but i do think I wanted to talk about that concept of, you know, adaptability, because it's something you hear a lot. I think when you are a child who grew up in different countries, it's like, okay, so one skill you learn is like adaptability, you know, and I always think about that because I don't really know if I feel like I learned really how to adapt, because in a way, um, I think I did, obviously, from like my experience. And um, I know that for me, for example, I moved to the Netherlands when I was 18 by myself and um living in a new country where I didn't speak the language that was not really a challenge for me because I was before I lived in Germany where I also didn't speak the language you know so it's it was not that that wasn't a challenge the challenge was to leave my family um so I do feel like yes okay I, I I'm maybe I'm better at adapting to certain environments but in a way I also feel like I'm not because of all these experiences you know it takes energy and I feel like at a certain point Uh, I don't know. I don't feel like invincible. I can adapt to any situation. I don't know if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was more like I was I was very rebel child. I I I was very adventurous. So I always learned the hard things the hard way. <laughs> But uh, adaptability helped me a lot because you knew that if you would go against uh, a certain way things were done, it was just gonna not be fine because you're the one uh, visiting a country who is not your own. So you always had to adapt. 
um, unconsciously. But obviously, because you have the cocoon of your family, and like you mentioned, when you moved alone, it was different, and you had to adapt to living by yourself. Um, having the cocoon of your family, it's easier to adapt because you have the support system uh, where you can be yourself. Whereas when you're by yourself, uh, obviously you are yourself, but you adapt more to people because you don't always want to be alone. And you know that if you don't adapt to people, you will be alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I do think the concept of adaptability, you know, uh, is is different for, for each of us. About adapting, I do want to talk about, um, you know, going back to your birth country. I don't know, for some people it might be um, the country they identify as their um, home country can be the country where their parents, you know, were born, where they were born, where their parents come from. I don't know, it can be different for everyone. But um, I, 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 I will mention also that you wrote a book, you know, Memories of Our World, where you talk about uh, your experience. So we'll go a bit more into depth about that. But I, I did read the book, so I thought that they were really oh. <laughs> interesting uh, passages that I wanted to talk about in this like conversation and at some point you talk about going back to your comfort zone because if I'm not wrong um, after the first um, country you lived in you went back to France if I'm correct and correct. I did want to by myself by yourself not with my family not with your family okay so I do think it's interesting to talk about you know going back to your comfort zone after living abroad in a different country and how slash when you realize that your concept of home really had changed because we talk about adapting to other countries but then when you go back to your home country there's also a form of adaptation you know of course well thank you for reading my book <laughs> i i'm very happy about that um i so being half french half italian already uh, was a bit difficult because I would go to France but I didn't feel fully French and people didn't think I was fully French and I would go to Italy and they thought I was French and I wasn't fully Italian or or all of that so already I was like always um, a little mitigated because I loved both countries so much and everyone was telling me no but you have to pick one like my mom was always asking me "Are you? do you like France or Italy more or what do you feel and and people want you to like tell them something, and um, and so yeah, um, I guess I loved both countries so much that I just I would always say like oh I don't have a preference I'm just uh, I'm just half both, <laughs> and uh, and eventually growing up as well in all these different countries like whenever someone asks me where are you from I'm like alert, <laughs> like it's the question I I'm always afraid to answer because. You don't want to like um, spill your life out, and you also don't want to like, you know, uh, not say the truth. So now I say I'm French when I present myself, because I've gone back to France and I feel like at home when I'm in France. But I also feel at home in Italy, and I would also feel at home in Mexico, or I would also feel at home anywhere really, because now, um, so like you said, moving to by yourself without your parents' comfort and uh, learning how to adapt to living by yourself in a country you don't know for me was like was like the the frontier of uh, becoming an adult, you know. <laughs> I arrived in uh, the Netherlands by myself at uh, I was still no, I was 18. And um I mean it was a country where people speak English. It was an international university. So I had nothing that made me feel like a stranger. Yet, I couldn't bear to be by myself for some strange reason. I I just, uh, I, I would come home and there was no one. I was just left with myself. Um, I Because I had such a warm family who would always be there for me when I'd come back and it was unconsciously I didn't realize until I started living by myself how much uh, warmth my family always brought to me when I'd come home from school when I'd come home from friends like and it's that kind of warmth and and kind of support system that I've become passionate about 
because I realize how rare it is. And this is why I kind of uh, headed towards hospitality as well. Mm -hmm. Because I felt as such at home with my parents that I feel like they've built in me uh, to be hospitable and to bring that warmth as well to other people, no matter where they're from, because they were hospitable with anyone in any country. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, and, for sure. uh, Yeah, I mean... So, yeah. <laughs> and I wrote a book. Um, so my book is... Uh, a life project I guess but um, since you mentioned it uh, I wrote it when I was 18 before COVID happened mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so at, 18, at 16 I started uh, questioning everything I, was, I had been in an English international school and I, we moved to Tokyo for the two years of high school Okay, so do you mind and just back in Tokyo? Do you mind just maybe for the ones that don't know you, I think it would help, like do like chronolo chronological order of like where you oh, lived, yes. so that it can help maybe people to like, uh, yeah, go read my book. <laughs> But yes, um, so first we moved to Ivory Coast, which I mentioned, mm -hmm. and there was a civil war there, so we only stayed six months mm -hmm. and had to move back to France in emergency. And then, uh, I mean, a few months later, I think, my dad had another contract for Mexico, mm -hmm. which was uh, crazy. And they weren't afraid. My parents, they, they craved uh, adventure. They wanted to experience countries. And so, so they took us with them to Mexico. And we ended up staying there four years. And then my dad had a new contract for Thailand, in which we stayed four years as well. Usually, expert contracts last from about two to three year, to four years. Um, and then we moved to Tokyo for two years. And then I moved to the Netherlands for six months. Okay. And whilst I moved to the Netherlands, my parents moved to the US. <laughs> They never stopped. So, so you can imagine how hard it was to have always lived in this beautiful cocoon where you feel safe and loved and supported anywhere you would go. And then moving by yourself, knowing they are miles and miles away. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I, I do want to mention that uh, when COVID hit, I... <laughs> I was the most scared and I got very lucky and managed to fly back to the U.S. to see them. And it was the first time I, I had been uh, uh, in the house in which they live in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So I was discovering my, I think it was my sixth or seventh home. <laughs> But yeah. And so um, to go a, b a little bit back, I when I was 16, I started questioning a lot of things and In school, they were asking you, oh, what would you like to become and what would you like to do and where do you see yourself in 10 years? And these were all questions that would make me anxious. And so I I don't know. I had a, a bit of a, a very uh, philosophical moment and period. And we had philosophy classes in school, which I really loved. And then... When I turned uh, 18 and I got my graduation with uh, the honors that my parents wanted me to have and that I promised them so that I could uh, have a, <laughs> a diploma trip to Mexico to see my friends that I hadn't seen in six years, um, I had an identity crisis. <laughs> I um, I started to question everything because I had done my high school and I knew it was time for me to become an adult, you know. And already in high school, I was teaching myself to cook. I was teaching myself how to do the laundry, how to do everything because we always had help or like my mother was doing everything and I didn't know how to do anything and I felt helpless. And I didn't want to move by myself without knowing how to do these things. And so um, after my... My back, I, 
I don't know. I just, I wasn't feeling my best. And on my 18th birthday, I cried. And my father felt that. And he wrote me a letter um, in which he explained how he felt uh, bad to have put us in those situations of always having to move around so much as children and putting his career before his family. That's how he put it. And for me, it, it really struck with me because I knew he hadn't done it in a selfish way, but it was something that him and my mother shared as a goal in life to travel. And my sister and I just happened to be their children and we didn't have the choice, but we didn't um, regret any moment at all. I mean, I know it was never easy and it was also a wonderful experience, but it really struck with me to the point in which I felt like I needed to write about all the memories of each country we had lived in. And it, it was very therapeutical as well because I was writing all the stories of what we went through as a family, a healthy family, uh, as a happy child, as a expatriate, and also my fears and also my beliefs and all the things that have built the person who I am today, which are all these travel experiences and, and the educational systems and the people. Okay, yeah, so that's how you decided then to to write your, your book and kind of dedicate it to your father, right? Also the, the book, yeah, so. Yeah, and it's the, the greatest gift that they've ever had, uh, if you ask them. So I'm, I'm really happy I did it. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that must feel very good to uh, have done that for them. And I'm sure uh, it's a great like gift that you can keep, you know, your whole life. And like in years, you'll look back to it. So it's really nice also to write memories on paper, for sure. It's kind of funny because, I mean, I always loved reading and I always loved writing, but I... I mean, I didn't know what to write or anything. I would write poems or something. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I told a friend, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to write about uh, my life uh, as an expat. And, you know, it's not something like, like an autobiography. It's like uh, it could be arrogant mm -hmm. or perceived as like, oh, uh, this person is writing about herself. But actually, I mean, for me, it wasn't about me. It was about the countries I lived in. Mm -hmm. And obviously my perception of the life of that I lived in those countries but mostly it was to share like I wrote this book for my father but it's also a book that I want people to read and it makes them realize that there's so much life out there that you have to experience and I know so many people who have lived in one place and they feel stuck or they feel uh, like they lost motivation or they they feel like they are conditioned by society and and the beliefs and the culture they grew up in. So I hope my book really opens up people's minds and they realize that there is so much more to life than just one religion, one nationality, one empire, because now people in, in the past, they fought to build empires. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's very interesting. And like we said, I do think there are obviously advantages and disadvantages and, you know, moving abroad or you know like uh, growing up in one place for sure so it's interesting to have those different perspectives and I think reflect on them so um, I do wanted to mention then of course that your book Memories of Our World is on um, Amazon and of course I'll put the description I'll put the link in the description so that uh, people can go have a have a look because I think it's a it's a great book and like you said it can help um it can help people know more about you, but also about the countries you lived in. And I think that's always interesting. So that's great that we could talk a little bit more about that. <laughs> I mean, I was I was 18 when I wrote it. Mm -hmm. So I know I made some mistakes which have not been corrected. So I'm just saying it out here. <laughs> but uh, overall, I hope I managed to write about the countries and the cultures and the experiences more than I did about myself so hopefully okay uh, <laughs> you will let me know but and I was wondering what how you felt or if you've ever talked about it with your father about expatriation and the fact that as a child you don't really have a choice you just have to follow uh yeah so when I first moved abroad I was a little bit older than you but not that old that I knew it was happening I was uh eight 
so it was still kind of vague what was happening and um, my first uh, expatriation was Mexico so also I lived um, that's one thing I didn't know about that you said in your book that I also lived in like a suburb near Lyon so I lived in a suburb near Lyon like a very small village and then we moved to Mexico City this huge city and um, it was very uh, for me I think I was just I don't know trying to process what was happening. I was not really thinking about it that much. I don't think I even knew where Mexico was. And then someone just told me, oh, you know, it's at the other end of the world. And I was like, what are you saying? Like, where am I going? <laughs> so I think I was kind of just uh, clueless, you know, because at this age, you don't really realize. So um, I think I started asking myself questions like years and years later. But I... I did say to my parents, of course, there are challenges that come with it, but I I would do the same thing again. If this moment happened again, that my father had the opportunity to move abroad, you know, I would say, yeah, sure, do it. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it. I would do it again, because even though there are challenges, I think the, the positive sides are greater. It gave me also a lot of opportunities. I, I don't think I would be here in the Netherlands. I wouldn't speak English, probably like you can like I don't know ten, like how many years was it ago I didn't speak a word of English so it did give me great opportunities that I wouldn't uh, want to remove it's not because there are challenges that it means you're not thankful for them so I do understand what you mean also by the identity crisis because it's true that um, like we said you don't have an environment that stays with you everywhere you go the only thing is your your family you know well it depends who you travel with in my case, it was my parents and my brother. Like, they were the only only thing, literally, I say thing, not because they are people, obviously, but because it was the only thing that, like, would move along with, with me as I, as I grew. So they really became, like, part of, like, myself, you know, and my, my identity. So it's true that when you move from your family, I think maybe a lot of expat kids, you know, would understand that feeling of just being kind of lost and being like, okay, what do I do now? Who am I? What am I going to do next? Because now <laughs> I, I just like, I don't know it's who like, I am. So. I have so many friends who do these very prestigious schools and who get uh, these prestigious diplomas. And after them, they're like, what do I do now? <laughs> and I feel yeah. like it's the same. It's Yeah, it's also a thing with school that I felt a bit with school. Like, because also the one thing that was like uh, grounding me, like I don't really know what to say, but that I had all my life was also to be in a school system. So I feel like also when I graduate and stuff, I will also have this feeling like, okay, now I don't have school anymore. But I feel like that's many for many kids because we start school very, very young, you know, and it, it follows us. So, yeah, I do. I do think it's very interesting. And I wanted to ask you actually for people that may be listening to this episode and, you know, do feel like they also had maybe an identity crisis or that they are transitioning from childhood to adulthood because I think that's something that maybe both of us are kind of saying is that uh, a hard part is actually when you transition when you're a child you don't necessarily realize what's happening and then when you enter adulthood then you have this maybe identity crisis so what would you say maybe to someone who's in that yeah what would you say maybe to someone who is in that position and doesn't really know um, how to deal with that transition I was going to get to that, actually. Um, mm -hmm. So in my book, I mentioned um, the fact that I, I understood at a very young age that in order to live uh, a good life, I guess, or like, for me, a happy life, I needed to find purpose in the mm -hmm. things I did. And, um, and it really uh, remained with me in all the countries that we traveled. Because I hated to do things that had no meaning or that uh, I had to get done just to get them done. I always liked to know why I was doing something and what it would bring me and what were the consequences. And so uh, for people who are maybe going through an identity crisis, um, I mean, for us, we... I guess had to learn how to know ourselves by moving around so much. But I guess to learn how to know yourself and who you are when you are alone and not just with people or your family or your support system. To truly know who you are and what you want when you are by yourself. 
which for us was easier because we were in places which we didn't know people or the language. So you are just stuck with yourself. <laughs> and um, so I would say, yeah, so for people to really try to learn who they really are, um, as well as, um, you know, to, to read stories or share stories or also to to find purpose like to do things that you know fulfill you to find your purpose mm -hmm. I mentioned in my book that my purpose was to make people happy <laughs> which uh, now in hospitality I am doing and I guess this is why I chose this this path as well because when I was young I, I was like every child who thinks they can make the world a better place and uh, work in the UN or you know do big changes and the more you grow up the more you realize how big the world is and how difficult it is despite all the talking to actually put action into the ideas that come out of these big conferences mm -hmm. and so in hospitality for me it was like a whole new world because a hotel is like a world within a world it's like it's like a new country because in a hotel there are rules there are cultures but many there are um, standards that you need to follow there are and you are welcoming so many different people and so it was like a big world and a small world and it was really where I, I realized that I could make an impact because not only is it um, a place in which you welcome people and you want them to feel safe and you treat them and you they are here for that there are people who work so hard to be able to relax and enjoy countries and enjoy uh, leisure activities um, which they don't get enough of and, and lack balance of in their life and so it was really an eye-opening um, industry for me because I wanted to be a diplomat and I wanted to change the world, but politics just didn't resonate. It didn't fulfill my purpose. And instead, here I am doing uh, hospitality in which you are at the service of people. You, um, it's, a, it's, it's like being a doctor, but without saving their lives. You're saving their, their soul, pretty much. You are giving them unforgettable experiences that they will remember for a lifestyle, a lifetime. Um, you provide them uh, celebrations for them to enjoy the people they are with and the place they are in. And, and it's really something that makes me vivid. It, it really lights uh, my spark. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's really great how different aspects of your life connect because, you know, you were talking about... From what I understand, memories are very important for you just because also, you know, you wrote your book. So now you're connecting this idea of, you know, memories are important for me. So I want to make sure that I help others uh, create unforgettable memories, etc. Yeah. So it's great to see how everything is connecting. And also I was wondering because, again, I'm referring back to your book. You know, you say like when you travel, you're not a tourist, but you're not a local either. And that's also something I've reflected a lot in my life being like, okay, I'm like I like you said not a tourist not a um a local and I was when I was preparing this episode I was thinking that's maybe also something that you find a lot in the hotel industry right because when you when you work in a hotel you work with tourists but you're also like depending if you work in your own home country or if you work abroad etc you're also um not considered necessarily local so is that maybe also something that attracted you to the hotel industry to find again that balance between you know learning more about a culture and the local people but keeping uh, an openness to like tourism and you know I don't know if that makes sense no it does it does and it's actually quite funny because I was thinking about it the other day when I was journaling mm -hmm. um, about how I love like right now I'm in Greece and I love being working in Greece and not just being a tourist because you see all these tourists who are living the dream Greek uh, adventure and all these things we plan for them in the hotel but the best part for me in life is not to just be a tourist and see the world it's to experience its rawness its uh, culture its diversity and that's what really makes me happy to be in the hospitality industry is that I can I know I can work in any hotel of the world 
because there are so many. But I will not be a mere tourist. I will experience the way locals live, the way they talk. But I will not be a local myself. And it's powerful and it's also sad because some people don't have the same luck as I have to have a French and Italian passport. I know some of my colleagues at work, they're Pakistani and they are here for other reasons, but they still love it. And I think, I'm, I think the hospitality industry is so great, not because... It's also a very tough industry. They, we are being exploited sometimes and we are all doing extra hours. But, but people are here because they, they love to be here and they stay and they do the extra hours. They're tired, but they do them. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing I want to say is that in the hospitality industry, the beauty of it is that instead of in politics where all the countries have to come uh, to an agreement uh, to change the certain situation in a country, in a hotel all the countries get together and make the solution. Mm-hmm. It's not just talking, they, they take action all together because if one of us doesn't communicate properly to, uh, let's say, I don't know, for me it's hard for me to speak even with the Greek people. If I communicate something wrong, uh, the whole situation can go wrong. And you can't make such mm-hmm. mistakes with such high-profile guests. And mm-hmm. so it's really nice to know that you can rely on each other. And it's not just about uh, proving a point or having an idea or an opinion. It's really to collaborate. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really happy to be having this conversation because I'm realizing that I actually never really reflected that much in the hotel industry and hospitalism. So... Um, yeah, it's great to, to, it's really learning because I never really had those uh, reflections. So I'm glad that we can talk about it more together. I feel like, you know, to be honest, when I was traveling, I would go to a hotel, just be like, okay, I'm at the hotel, but I never really had those questions come in mind. So um, it's definitely interesting. And you kind of explained it a little bit already, but this very simple question, like, how would you define hospitality then? Because it's not only hotels, right? It's a bigger meaning so i could talk about hospitality for hours but basically for me hospitality is truly to make someone feel at home mm-hmm. which is i mean you, you understand because we are always looking for a home as expats but it's truly to make someone who doesn't know the place more familiar with the place and Usually, if you are a local worker, uh, you are inviting someone you don't know, who doesn't know you, in your country. And it's, so it's really about making them feel welcome, walk, making them feel seen, making them feel like they have the attention that they may be lacking in their own hometown or in their own family. We have some guests who come by themselves and they just love to come to the reception, to talk with us, to have company, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's so powerful. You don't realize how powerful being nice or or serviceable is until uh, they give you gifts or they write to you years later. Or, you know, you impact people in a much greater way than you would as a politician by saying something to the mass media because you are taking care of one single person at a time. Mm-hmm. Yet they know that if they come back to your hotel in two years, whether it's you or someone else, they will feel seen, heard, and welcome. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's very interesting. And um, uh, were you going to say something? Yeah. Um, so at this moment, I'm still a student, and I'm ex- <laughs> I'm experiencing many different types of hotel brands um, who are welcoming some of the highest profile clients in the world, and guests actually because in the hospitality industry you always say guests but you you have a a sense of the different uh, standards and procedures that hotels want to make and something that i've noticed which i don't like is that um, i'm not a fan let's say of the american hospitality because they're very standardized and they're um, they want profit more than anything else. And so it makes the whole um, hospitality concept a little blurred because 
yes, they do take care of their guests and they make them feel welcomed and seen in a certain way, but there is no personal touch. There is no um, room for warmth. And it's just a procedure that they go through. And it's something I've noticed a lot. Whereas when I see, for example, smaller structures or boutique hotels, there people have a sense of home because it's really a place where they have um, their employees, they are chosen because of how they behave and what they do in their free time. And there are more people who really know how to welcome you in their own way and that's what's beautiful is to experience an own way of something because if everything is standardized it's just monotone it's like routine mm -hmm. and that's not what people look for when they go abroad yeah i mean it's not exactly related but it does make me think also about just tourism in general um it, does, it is kind of related to hotels but you know like how when you visit a country, I think it's nice if you also get from that that culture, you know, and a lot of times hotels or like chains of hotels, you know, um, I kind of have the impression sometimes that if you go in like, I don't know, Mexico, Thailand or like Peru, whatever, that um, if you get if you stay in the chain of hotels, sometimes you're going to have, you know, the same kind of experience in every country. And I think that's a shame if you don't get also that cultural experience. So yeah i don't know i don't really know where i where i'm going with that question but i do feel it connects traveling and tourism and tourism and hotels and i was wondering what's your view on that since you work in the hotel industry and you also travel a lot well it's uh something i'm working on at the moment it's um i'm trying to choose a master's which will allow me to study more um a holistic hospitality approach where it's not just about uh, profit, not just about a hotel, but it's more about bringing wellness to people, also bringing wellness to the community in which you are um, working in and with, and the environment, because we live in a world where we have to start to look after the environment we go through. And tourism has destroyed so many beautiful uh, places and so many ecosystems. But obviously nobody wants to stop traveling. Mm -hmm. But it's more about um, bringing awareness to people. Because as a hotel, you are like the ambassador of the environment you are in. So if in a hotel you manage to make people clean a beach, for example, on a Saturday, because it's part of the hotel uh, activities, client, some guests are going <laughs> to look at you like you're crazy. But others will be like, oh, maybe that's a good idea. And slowly people will start doing these actions or if in a hotel uh, you put signs of not throwing the toilet paper in the in the toilets for example here for example in greece it's recommended not to but there's no signs in my hotel that you shouldn't mm -hmm. and so little things like these um as a hotel you can um sort of portray a message or encourage people to do such things because yes they are paying you so for 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 relaxation for enjoyment for leisure and for experiences but as a hospitable person it's also your job to um, convey a certain value that people will find only in your hotel mm -hmm. yeah so in a way it's also the responsibility of the hotel to like ensure that the clients um, respect the rules or the customs of the environment they're visiting the, yeah. yes okay yes because at the end of the day i mean a hotel is like a community it's like yeah, the the general manager of the hotel is for example the president of a country he has to make sure you cannot choose all the guests that come to your hotel so some of them will have um, certain ways of doing things that are not what you wanted or expected but you have to manage them and ensure they still have a good time, yet they should respect what the hotel wants to represent and support. Mm -hmm. You can't just allow anyone to do whatever they want just because they paid. Mm -hmm. And this is where I think hospitality is incredible because it's more than just being an industry of um, satisfaction and, and service to people. It's also a place where you have to manage uh, psychologically uh, 
yourself and the people you interact with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That I was thinking about it when you mentioned that. Um, you know, you said something along the lines that you're not a doctor, so you don't treat like their physical health, but you do impact their mental health also, right? The clients and uh, their overall well-being. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I do think it's also interesting to view it that way. And you talked about it already a little bit, but uh, when preparing this episode, you also mentioned that wellness is very important to you. So I thought it would be nice if you want to say more about, you know, what are the link, what is the link between uh, hospitality and wellness and how you combine these two passions. You already explained, obviously, but um, maybe you want to say more about it. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, usually in all the luxury hotels there will mandatorily be a spa um, in American ones not certainly but I know in Europe at least that any five star hotel has a spa and uh, what that means is that it's a place where people know they they are not just here for a room for one night they're here also to experience things and wellness People who work so hard every day, they don't necessarily have the time to treat themselves. Um, So a lot of the time I hear people saying, oh yeah, um, I'm always making money, but I don't have time to use it. And when I'm not making enough money, (laughs) I'm uh, using so much time. And so it's always a problem because either you're busy making money and you don't treat yourself or you don't have time, or you save it or invest it and then you have time. Or you're someone who lives uh, on a more strict budget, but you have all the time in the world doing things you love. Or don't love, but at least you have more time. And <laughs> because not everyone gets to do a job they love, but hopefully someday everyone will. And, and obviously, um, for me... Also, growing up as a child expat, I realized how important mental health was because we get so moved uh, all the time that it, we had to become mentally strong to to still uh, like our family, to still like who we are, despite all these places that we were changing. Because maybe in Mexico, I was a person uh, with these types of flaws that in, in Thailand, I then uh, avoided being. And you improved. And you could because you had no one to judge you saying, oh, but you were like this and like that. You just met new people and you were who you are. And and I guess that was a blessing for us because so many people I know who have lived in one single place don't have this kind of escape or, or kind of a getaway. But for me, yes, wellness is so important. And I mean, I do yoga every day, for example, because it's brought me balance. Um, I'm a very anxious person when it comes to thinking of the future, and I want to control everything, despite this life being uncontrollable and unpredictable. And I guess that comes from the fact that we moved around so much and never could predict or control anything. Um, So part of me now, that I am an adult and alone, I want to control things so that I know where I'm headed and who I'm going with and and I guess yeah it's a good and a bad thing at the same time but uh, but yes <laughs> yeah I mean it's also um, I think well now we're talking about control something that I told myself is um, because for me it was hard to accept that um, I don't have control over where everybody lives you know like I've always thought oh but I just want to live in a place where everyone I know lives you know I just want everyone that I know to live in the same place and uh, I thought you know Nina you can't control that you can only control where you live but you cannot control where everyone lives I do feel like also a part of well-being and just accepting that you can only control what you do and not what others do I think also talking about expats again that's something that it's hard to do, but I think if you accept that, uh, it helps rather than always think, oh, I wish it was like this, I wish it was like that. Yeah. So For sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. But at the end of the day, I mean, what I love about hospitality and in life in general is, is exactly that, like the memories you make with people and the impact it has on you and your mind 
and your life because one event could change the rest of your life and and it's really that that i want to catch for people or make for people to create those moments that will stick with them and that give them the motivation or the purpose of living a fulfilling life mm -hmm. because everyone is capable of it yeah no it's great i think that you found like you were talking about your purpose and that uh, hospitality that it what it's what um, fits you and that you like helping people um, and you said you know that you get feedback from your clients so i'm sure that's also very uh, fulfilling and this podcast is also about passions and about wellness so i thought it would be nice also heading towards a conclusion to uh, kind of talk about passions while you know moving so much because this is also part of the episode we talked about uh, moving abroad and everything and i was going to ask you how do you maintain you know a passion because when you when you move abroad <laughs> when you move abroad obviously you know you leave your friends you leave the environment your school but you also leave your hobbies if i may say um so how what's your key to maintaining your passion of course well it was a very tough one <laughs> very tough uh, <laughs> tough thing to do but um well i was very very lucky i have to say because my parents always wanted us to do extra activities they always wanted us to do good at school but they said there was more to life than just school and i'm so grateful for that because they really went out of their way to make us experience um, hobbies activities um, social gatherings so since i'm very young i remember my mother was taking me to sport classes uh, ballet jazz um, and then she had a passion for horse riding which she passed on to me uh, which was the hardest to maintain because it's expensive and um, it's not everywhere that you have a, a whole centre uh, and um, and place to ride so so um i mean i guess i was really really lucky because also my father is a guitarist on his free time uh, my mother loves to do so many things she can paint she can uh, she can uh, learn languages she can <laughs> do photography and, and i was very lucky to have this also i guess artistic balance in my life because I'm not a very um, scientific and mathematical person. <laughs> so school would also sometimes get on my nerves, <laughs> if I must say. But uh, when I came home, I felt at home because my parents were artistic more than mm -hmm. they were scientific. And just, and uh, I mean, my father is an engineer, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I always managed to do horse riding somehow. And um, I only quit horse riding when I was in university because of the financial means. But um, I, I also, it's funny actually, my mother played piano, but she stopped. She still knows how to play, but she stopped playing uh, on a daily basis. And my sister took um, classes at a conservatorium, but she, she, she sings beautifully and she knows how to play, but she stopped uh, taking classes. And I remember going to get her after school and falling in love with the piano. So I started playing piano and uh, I have always had a keyboard in my studios or in my apartments ever since. So that's something that I've been yes. able to keep. And anyways, I love photography. I love writing. I love things that I can just get going with without uh, having to invest too much money <laughs> I guess it's about picking your hobbies as well the purpose of this episode is also to talk about your passion for hospitality and something that I want to show with this podcast is that passion is not something that you have or you don't have like I feel like for a lot of people it's like oh at three years old like for example me at three years old I started also horseback riding so it became a passion and I was lucky to find it like it's also something you create a passion you know you can also of course create a passion when you're 40s in your 20s in your 80s you know it doesn't matter how old you are so for example hospitality i'm sure when you were 10 you were not like okay uh, you know 
I want to work in the hotel industry and hospitality is my passion. So I think it's it's great also to something have, for example, find. yeah, your story that you, it's something you find and you put work into it. And I think it's great that now it's also your career, you know, like it's a bit divided, the opinions on like, should your passion be your career and stuff. So I don't know if you thought about that. For a little story, which I already told you, I think when we discussed last time, but I after so when I had my identity crisis, I I knew I was passionate about art because of my parents' upbringing, and I knew I wanted to do something with politics because I was always um, following all these news and in school they were educating us so well about the world, and so when I got rejected by Sciences Po. <laughs> I it was a big like hit for me because I I hardly ever got rejected and <laughs> and it was a big hit and it made me realize that there was more to life than just one passion or one career and so covid happened but before covid I had the chance to as a art communication student which was the first major I started to take with minors in literature and music I realized uh, that I could do a part-time job in a hotel. And so I really put my heart and soul into it because I loved hotels and I love to travel. And I was like, you know what? I can, even if I'm not studying the field, I can get an experience in it just to see what it's like and if it's really what I think I'm passionate about. Because it's nice to have, to, to just be curious about yourself and about careers. So when you start just thinking you are passionate about a certain thing, try it out if you like it you like it and it might be the career of your life and if you don't you have many other options and so so i started working as a housekeeper in a hotel in uh, groningen and when i was doing my first uh, major and After two days, they called me. I was 18. They called me, oh, by the way, we like your CV. You speak many languages. Maybe you could do receptionist. And at 18, I was left with my manager uh, to train for two weeks, I think it took, or one. And then I, at 18, I had the key of the hotel, and I would come at 6 a.m. in the morning to open the hotel by myself, serve the clients, do the check-ins and the check-outs, make sure the housekeeping were cleaning the right rooms. And uh, and it was really, uh, I, I, I felt like an adult. I was like, okay, that's it. I'm, I have the hang of it. But uh, sooner or later, I, I was working very hard in school and in hospitality because I'm not a perfectionist, but I either do something 100% or I don't do it. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing all these things that I engaged myself on. And I also needed to be with friends because I, it was my first year by myself and I realized how badly I wanted to be with people. And so I would go out all night. I would also work in the morning at 6 a.m. with four hours of sleep. And I was doing the school studies and all of that. And um, I quickly like sort of had a burnout, <laughs> which is why I went also to my parents in the U.S. And I had to prove my mother that I had chosen my career path in hospitality because she thought I was not ready to live by myself because she thought I was too uh, unsure. So I, I'm, I'm a big person uh, when it comes to uh, instinct, to listen to, your, to yourself, to your body, to your, to your instinct. And so I knew... I, I had I had a feeling and I knew that hospitality was the thing for me. And so I applied uh, studying the hospitality industry, whether it was really what I wanted to study and what I wanted to do. Okay. Well, yeah, there's... Um, how can I say? I think it's also because, you know, you were talking about gut feeling. And I think it's also, okay, you know, if you try something and it doesn't work out and like at the end you think it was the wrong choice also we were talking about a hundred or nothing you know it's sometimes even if it's not perfect it's better to do something than just sit and not do it because you know it won't be perfect you know? i agree completely every time that we choose something that we want to invest in ourselves or our education or that we try something new it makes us step out of our comfort zone and that is the best way to learn more about yourself what you don't or want out of life and to figure things out. 
every experience that we go through will teach us something, whether that is uh, something that we don't want to reproduce or that makes us stronger as a person. And they do say that those who never try will never know. So you might as well just jump on the opportunities. And at the end of the day, if you didn't like it, you still learn something. All I want to say is that I think one of the greatest assets of humanity is that we cannot go back in time and there is only exponential growth. So we might as well make the most out of the time we have here to experience the most we can and truly discover ourselves and the world around us. Um, my greatest motto, I believe, is that your energy is your greatest currency. So it's so important for you to truly invest your energy in things that make sense to you. Whether you made a mistake or not by the thing you chose, at least you learned something. And at the end of the day, those who failed the most are those who learned the most. Everything we go through is a lesson and life is full of them. So we might as well grow. Yeah, well, thank you so much for for sharing your story. Like I said, the book uh, will be in the description so people can go and find it. I will also leave your social media if people maybe have a question or they want to, you know, discuss with us after uh, this episode. But yeah, I just want to leave you. Um, I just want to give you the opportunity to say a word before ending. Um... Uh, thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity to participate in this podcast. I wish you all the best of success. And if you all want to find me, you can find me on Instagram under the name of zo.eg or on LinkedIn as well as Facebook. And please uh, reach out to me if you have any questions. I do have my book linked in my bio. So if it is of any interest to you, please go ahead and uh, read it. It would mean a lot. Thank you so, so very much. And remember to stay curious. Thank you so much. We were talking about perfection. So there is still work to do and improvements to be made on the podcast. But I'm very happy to have had this conversation. And I thank you once more for featuring as a guest on this podcast. I truly hope that you were able to share your story the way you wanted to. And I also want to thank the listeners for taking the time to listen to episode 21. Please let me know what you thought about this episode. I'm curious to know if you have any feedback. Maybe you have been in a similar experience growing up abroad, or maybe you also work in the hotel industry, or maybe you don't, but then I still want to um, know any feedback you may have. If you like the podcast, don't hesitate to leave a review. It's a small step, but it makes a big difference. And I'll see you on the next episode of the Life to Live podcast.